we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome. We are here live at FanX with Daniel. Hey, this is Alton. And Travis Romney. The, Thanks for having me. The, the creator, the brilliant mind be, behind uh, The Mighty Utah, uh, which is a great little comic. Uh, it's been around for how long now? Since 2014. That was when the first issue came out, so eight years. Wow. Uh, oh. it, it, we've been going a while now. Yep. Um, now, and the, the really great thing about this, uh, yes, it is very Utah-esque, but it's still a really fun comic that you can jump into whether you live in Utah or not. Really tongue-in-cheek. I love it. No, absolutely. And we, we try to make fun of uh, the culture in Utah, but we try to do it in a very respectful way. Yeah. Where we're not offending anybody. So what's your favorite piece of Utah culture that you love to respect, in quotes? So I'll be honest, you can't beat the Jello jokes. I mean, that's just how it is. It's funny, in my daytime job, I'm actually a chief of police, and when they just passed the medical marijuana law, they actually, one of the allowable forms of marijuana in Utah is a gelatin form. So only oh. in Utah can you have Jello. <laughs> I love it. I can shake with it, too. Yeah. Yes, you can. You can shake with that. Now, so what are some of the villains that we'll see in this series? So the villains are awesome because they, too, are Utah-esque. We have uh, the Sunbeam. We've got Hive. She has a big beehive on the top of her head. We have the Green Cricket. You have Boggs. And then the one uh, villain that seems to be becoming more and more popular, he's becoming more of an anti-hero, is the Specter of Temple Square or the Specter of the Square. Nice. Uh, I mean, the really cool thing about this, I mean, I'm seeing the villain behind you, which is Hive, and I remember going to hockey games with my, my mom, and there's this lady that had this massive beehive do, and it's like, what the heck is this? Um, she, I mean, as far as I can remember, she probably still has it to today if she's still around, but it was the craziest thing. And I'm seeing this, I'm like, that's, that's Sheila, that's that lady. And the, it, the beehive hair is actually very common. When I was a kid, I thought we were the beehive state because of the hairdo. Oh, because of the hairdo? Yeah, so I mean, it, it's crazy how, uh, you know, we, there for a while, wearing a beehive on your head was socially acceptable. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to show your pride. Exactly. Yeah. Remember where you're from, really get down to your roots. Yes. Exactly. But I don't know why we're called the beehive state, to be honest, because I don't see bees that much. Not a lot. I think it has something to do with the fact that we're industry, that we are, we basically are worker bees. Oh. But then okay. I kind of step back and think that's the government calling us drones. So, I mean, oh. I'm not sure how you want to take that. We're, we're a bunch of drones now. It's true. But we do our best on Dungeon Crawlers not to drone on. Yes, we true. don't. So besides the Mighty Utah, I'm seeing some other stuff that you got that you have out here that you're correct. Doing. So we have uh, Deputy Deseret. He's uh, inherits the guns of Porter Rockwell and becomes the next Deputy of Deseret. Then you got the Demon of Devlin Hall. That's kind of our parody on Daredevil. Just takes place in a high school, and instead of beating up gangsters, he beats up bullies. Nice. Oh man, that goes really well. So uh, I don't know. Have you ever read anything from author David J. West? I have not. So he actually writes uh, kind of pulpy. Uh, Weird West uh, novels that's uh, Porter Rockwell versus Cthulhu. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, the fact that your guy inherits his guns and now he's you know, kind of, at least from what I'm seeing, some demonic stuff going on over here. That, yep. He does that a lot of supernatural. Awesome. The, the guns of Porter Rockwell, um, it's funny, I'm not sure if you know Supernatural at all. Yeah. They have that in one of the seasons, they have the cult that can yeah. kill everything. That's basically the guns of Porter Rockwell. That is awesome. So, that is really awesome. So then here's the question then. I got an idea for you. Okay, it's it's a horror pseudo comedy based around Eldritch Horror, right? And you called it Elder Rich. Oh, that's awesome! And you just let it run. Yes, right there, <laughs> it just writes itself. That's so, awesome. So, where do you get your ideas from? Like, what is it that kind of 
makes it switch over from being just an inkling of an idea to something that you're ready to commit to print? Well, so it's funny, with the Mighty Utah, it actually originally got started because my son and I were in the backyard playing, and like most Utah men, I'm a little overweight, and I was pretending to be Superman, and he goes, Dad, fat people can't be Superman. And I was like, watch me. And so <laughs> then I started creating the Utah, and it kind of just started evolving from there because the jokes and the humor just flow. And, and like I said, everybody knows the, the stereotypes and the staples, and so you just start trying to incorporate them in a story, and surprisingly, it all works. Well, and that's the great thing about the comic is, you know, like he said, you can't be fat and be Superman. Because yep. most superheroes are, like, very thin, fit, abs and everything. Your guy just looks like an average Joe. Yep, and that's what he is. And that's what uh, the comic tries to portray is this average guy who basically gets the powers of Superman. And how do you deal with it, especially in a world where... You know, you've got such a unique cast of, of villains. Mm -hmm. um, I got tired of seeing all the superheroes fight in New York, so I wondered what it would be like to see them fight on the streets. But you know, Utah is such a unique place. The heroes and the villains all had to be unique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Greatest American Hero. Right. Because he wasn't fit, fit and trim. And he, I mean, he lost the, the instruction book. So half the time he couldn't even fly properly. Well, it goes to show you, I think the uh, American psyche and the American male want heroes more they can relate to because I remember when uh, uh, Endgame came out and Thor had the dad bod oh, yeah. and everybody at Comic-Con just basically wore their own uh, themselves as dad bod yeah. Thor mm -hmm. and it worked and everybody was happy about it. Yes, so. yes. That, is, that was fantastic of that. So how do you generate your stories then from those ideas? So um, like the, the idea of the green cricket in this issue that just came out two days ago, the green cricket raises an army of radioactive brine shrimp mm -hmm. and they attack Salt Lake. One of the stories we're currently working on right now that'll be in a future issue is more of a dystopian future where the Great Salt Lake is dried up and we have this toxic sand beast, kind of looks like the Sandman from Spider-Man, going around and destroying all of Salt Lake City. So looking at the news, looking at the, the different culture jokes, you just kind of take those and develop into an idea, let your imagination run wild. And so then for somebody who hasn't read, hasn't seen these yet, and is like, well, I don't know, like, is it... What percentage of this is comedy versus deep story versus thematic lesson? Like, how I, would you say, how would you describe your own I try, to, I try to break it up as evenly as possible. And, and I try to make it in such a way that anybody who's reading the book can enjoy the story, even if they don't understand the, the Utah tropes. Mm -hmm. But what's fun about it is I've had some people, um, we do a webcomic with Utah as well, that'll watch the Utah and go, that's kind of funny with the radioactive uh, or the, the toxic waste sand beast. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, two days later, they see it on the news and like, oh my gosh, that's what he was talking about. So it's interesting that even if you don't watch the news or, or know the tropes prior to reading the book, the mm -hmm. book will introduce you to them and eventually you're going to run into them, especially if you're in Utah. Life imitating art. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely love it. So where can the listeners find your stuff? Um, so we're always online, saltcitycomics.com or Facebook Salt City, Instagram, but it's also available at Dr. Volts, a nerd store, Black Cats, so basically local comic book stores here in, in Utah. Okay. So. And for those of you that are outside of Utah, definitely look them up. Uh, you're, you're not going to regret it. I mean, no. even if you've never been to Utah or you've maybe visited once to go skiing or something else, maybe come to Fan X. Check it out. It'll be worth your while. Plus, you know, there's Deputy uh, Deseret as well as the Demon of Devlin Hall. So with that said, folks, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks Thank you. for joining us on this micro crawl. Thank you for having me. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons.
All right, everyone, welcome to another micro call here at FanX. We are with authors. Katie Cross. Derek Sidaway. And? Hey, guys, it's Alton. So glad to be with you. And Dan, how about you? It's great. It, it, there's lots of people milling around us. Uh, there's lots of awesome stuff going on here at FanX. Uh, but more importantly, we found some great authors here that mm -hmm. have some fantastic stuff. One, particularly, is writing something that I'm very passionate about, and that is dragons. You like dragons? I know. It's kind of weird. Insane. Do you guys like dragons? I love dragons. We do like dragons. Enough that to write a book amazing. about it, or multiple books about it, I hear? Like 35 books. Well, tell us about that, then. Man, I've only got two, and you've got 35. I have 35 books set in the fantasy world of Alcara, where we have medieval history, and dragons, and witches, and big magic. Nice. Very, very cool. And I write fast-paced fantasy with heart. Um, my shtick is griffins, where Katie is dragon, so most of my books feature mythical creatures of some court and some kind. So the first important question then is, that do, do the two of you fight a lot? <laughs> no, we fight a lot My dragons well. play pretty nice. <laughs> yep. Okay, perfect. We're That's also riding together, so you have to get along on some level, right? Uh, uh, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Yeah, because you don't want fighting. That's, that's bad. It's true. That's why we try not to fight on the show, except when it's really worth it. Yes. <laughs> Pick yes. your battles. So yes. tell us a little bit. I see a trilogy here on the table. Um, Flame looks like the first book in the trilogy. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Flame is the first book in the Dragon Master trilogy. It's set in the world of Alcara and the magical forest of Leedham Wood. It features forest dragons. And as the trilogy progresses, we see two sisters. One finds a wild dragon, and one finds a new magic, and they have to save the world by the end. Man, that sounds super fun. So what was it that kind of led you to that decision? To My readers, actually. They, nice. These characters had been featured in a different book, and they loved them so much they wanted the origin story. So I wrote the origin story, and it is now my prevailing fan favorite. Very nice. I absolutely, absolutely love that. And then I also saw a first book over there. I think it was Windsworn, is that right? Yep. So Windsworn is the first book in the Griffin Riders trilogy, which, spoiler alert, is a trilogy. So I actually have all three books out in that. It's a finished trilogy. Um, it's really similar to the dragon riding trope with a twist in that it's griffins instead of dragons. So a little bit inspired by Warcraft 2 and a little bit of a callback. Um, yeah, it's about a teenage girl named Eva who lives a pretty normal average life and is pretty happy with a normal average life and gets thrust into this different role in becoming a griffin rider and um, getting over a fear of heights and all sorts of adventures. I absolutely love it. And, and you said that you guys do a lot of writing together. Are all, both of these trilogies co-written or individually written? How, how do we go about it? We have a separate project that we're doing as a co-written project. These, mm -hmm. are, these are totally separate, but our readership tends to love both. If they nice. love mine, they love his. So we decided to create a different fantasy world, and the two of us are co-writing just in that fantasy world. So how does that work? Because, I mean, you're writing your separate things, and now you're writing something together. You know, is there times where you guys kind of butt heads, or it's like, no, no, my idea is better than yours, or, or is there? What do you guys do in that? Those instances? I would say it's pretty smooth sailing. You know, as Katie okay. already mentioned, um, both of our books are similar as far as theme and a lot of the tropes. So when we pitched the idea, we kind of said, you know, we'll we'll pass this back and forth. So I'll work on the outline, I'll send it to Katie, and she'll put her flavors in on it. It's almost kind of like cooking together, you know? Um, nice. And yeah, so far it's been really great. We've got one book finished out of a four book series. And um, yeah, so far the dynamic duo um, going on tour together, no plans to break up or anything like that. But yeah, we're excited for people to read it since it's a combination of a lot of similar things that we do, but it each has our own unique voice in it. Okay. So where should people be looking for that? 
at katiecrossbooks.com. Or DerekAllenSidaway.com. Now, now, because you threw in dynamic duo, I have to ask, who's Batman? Who's Batman? I'm Batman. Katie's Batman. <laughs> oh, whoa, there it is. There it is. All right, well, check out these books, guys. Um, they look awesome. The covers look very great. And Absolutely the story gorgeous. sounds amazing within it. Uh, so check out their books. Not only that, check out the upcoming one where the two of them are writing together, which should just be double your fun. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you guys so much for taking a minute with us. Yeah, and thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much. And thanks everybody for joining us on this micro crawl. There must be some in here that'll help. Hey, Eric, a cannon. So what? You're going to point it at him and say bang? Huh? Conjure up a cannonball, airhead. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, no, ball bearings. I could do it as Owen Wilson. All right, everyone, welcome. We're here again live at FanX with author Jared Nathan Garrett. And this is the other Krebs, Matai. Uh, Jared, you've got quite a number of books here. Um, for somebody who hasn't uh, heard of your stuff before, what kind of, what kind of, how would you describe the, the genre, the things you like to write? So I write across multiple genres, but mostly you can say my books are adventure stories with heart. So they hearken back and remind of like Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff, um, Lou, uh, Jules Verne, all that stuff. So mostly science fiction and fantasy uh, where heroes get the crap beaten out of them and they still win. So spoiler, my heroes win. <laughs> now, I, I, we had an episode about this recently. I'm a big fan of uh, apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic stuff. Yes. You've got an uh, apocalyptic duology here uh, with push and beat. Yeah. What's the, uh, what, what's the summary of that? So it definitely takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, but uh, what's left of humanity has has recreated some cities, and they're they're doing okay. So what happens is it's a hundred years after a biotoxin called the bug killed ninety five percent of humanity, starting with the, the the CrossFitters and the marathon runners, because it'll it can kill you if your heart rate hits one hundred and forty because there's some enzymes or hormones or something. I don't know the science. Anyway, so people die, and there's no cure for it. There's no stopping it except for keeping your heart under one hundred and forty. And so the people who are still alive, they have this little wrist monitor that monitors their heart rate and will inject a sedative if they hit 140 beats per minute. Um, so you can imagine the idiot kids, let's go to 139, let's go to, push to 140, knock out. So they're running around, they fall down, it's a fun game for them. One troublemaking kid is like, mm, it's been 100 years, I bet the bug's gone. So he decides to block the knockout that's coming from his little pet um, wrist computer, and he doesn't die. But then one of his friends dies, does the same thing. So something's going on and it's weird. And uh, it's a lot of fun. They're very twisty, very thriller. They're, they're a thriller pace kind of kind of series. Um, Beat is a complete story all by itself, but Push just expands the world. Nice. Yeah, and I, I read that. You introduced this to me last time we, we met. And it was a really good story because Thank there's you. a lot of things that it, it does a good job of subverting expectations, I'd say. Oh, there good. are things you don't see coming that are, that are, that, that are really great surprises, a, a fantastic story. Then there's this uh, other trilogy that begins with Laconi. Yeah. And that one, I just, the, the, the cover blurb on that and the artwork got me interested in that. So, yes, listeners, I was judging a book by its cover. That's okay. But tell us about this. That's uh, normal. It's, a, it's a whole trilogy. Yeah, I mean, there's you judge books by covers. That's why we spend so much money on good artwork. Yes. Right? Right. I mean, I, I hire good artists like Mikey Brooks and Nathan Shoemate and Carter Reed. Anyway, uh, name drops. So, this is um, ancient American, um, Mesoamerican flavored uh, fantasy trilogy. It's like revenge plus romance plus adventure. You could say it's like Avatar The Last Airbender meets Apocalypto meets, um, I don't know, 
die hard. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, something like that. So a young man uh, tries to stop some bad guys from killing his village. They kill his village. They leave him for dead. He wakes up, and he finds out they've got his sister, so he goes after them to try to figure just to rescue her. And he's also going to kill his own king because his king was at the head of the, uh, of the raiding party. Um, but along the way, he finds out there's more to his family than he knew, and it's a way bigger struggle than he realized, and it's been going on for hundreds of years. So he and his posse, because he comes up with a posse, um, have to stop some evil that's been uh, growing and growing and growing. And it's super fun. The scope just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and I had so much fun with it. It's like I mishmashed Aztec, Ayan, Mayan, Incan, uh, biblical revel revelation, prophecy, all the stuff. Really fun. Yeah, when I opened it up, I was expecting Apocalypto, and instead, I, there ends up being a little bit of little hints of magic. So it kind of gets us into the bit. fantasy realm a little bit. Yeah. And you say that that, that grows as the uh, yes. books go on? and we start to understand the kind of the source, the origination of why there are um, things that are unexplainable going on there. That, that, that's really amazing. Fun. It was so a the, lot of fun to do. The three books are Laconi, Usurper, and finally Red Prince. Yeah. With the abs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Judging that book by its cover, he's definitely got the abs. He's, he's, he's ripped. It's uh, me. Yeah, oh, see? you were the Under cover model. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, the cover okay. model, yeah. So Might for those of you that, want, that really want to know, now you can see what Jared looks like by getting the cover. This is totally a lie, everybody. <laughs> uh, and we're taking advantage of the fact that you can't see us. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, On the radio. that's the joy of this show. No <laughs> one right. normally sees us. That's awesome. Now, you also have um, a rather interesting background. Sure. Uh, when you were when you were growing up, and you've used that as inspiration for uh, a few more of these books, Beyond the Cabin, and Finding Home so far. Tell us about that series. So Beyond the Cabin is the first book I published back in 2015, and it's really a, a novelization of my own childhood. So mm -hmm. I was born into and raised in a cult that splintered off of Scientology in the 60s in England. And I won't go into the whole background of that, but it was an actual cult, and they lived like a commune. And they left England and wound up in the States and moved all over for a while. I was born in Chicago and was in New York and Dallas and Pennsylvania and Virginia and everywhere else. And um, they were terrible. Like, they were ag aggressively, obnoxiously bad. There was physical, um, all, kinds, well, all kinds of abuse. Emotional, physical, all that bad stuff. And then there was also neglect. So it was bad. Sounds and then like it. it got worse because my oldest brother left mm -hmm. because he could. He was old enough. And then terrible things happened there, and it was just altogether a rotten experience, which means that I have a unique origin story, and I can write books about it. That's so awesome. So I novelized being in the cult and beyond the cabin, uh, and then I novelized getting out of the cult and finding home. And I was like, so beyond the cabin was supposed to be one and done. Yeah. But then for about three years, I was like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to tell more of that, don't I? So I wrote Finding Home in a month, and then edited it for two months, and then got a good cover. And then I was like, yeah, that's done now, right? For the last year, it's been like, it's not done. You yeah. must tell more. It's pretty funny. Yeah. No, I mean, that's awesome that you're able to use that experience. Uh, yeah. It's probably very therapeutic, too, to kind of go back through that and write about uh, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, th the therapy's been from writing the books, from doing my own podcast, um, from and, and to actually wrote my memoir, finally. I've been mm -hmm. chewing on it for 10 years or so and finally got it down about two or three years ago. Um, it's not published or anything. There's an agent looking at it. Yeah. So. That's kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I've heard from other authors that they've had some difficult experiences that have gone through in their life. Mm -hmm. Do you find that it's easier for a creative 
that has had some some color or some extremes in their lives to write than somebody who's had a more smooth path? Um, in a way, you could say it could be. Yeah, it's um, it helps if you have stories to tell, or that you've been telling or experiencing most of your life, right? Because of the unstable, unsafe, um, really hard situation that I was in, I had to create my own narrative. Yeah. So the other, the other, well, and the old, my narrative was what I wanted to be in life and what I wanted to do in life, because I couldn't control what was going on to that point. But the other great blessing was that, I mean, I know it was terrible, but I had to escape somewhere and I escaped into books. Nice. So I read every book in a library in Dallas Force over a five-year period, every single book, even the romance books. Guys, Danielle Steele is my favorite romance author. Okay. Don't tell anybody. All right. Yeah, we we'll, won't. We'll, we'll cut that part out. Okay, yeah. We won't really. No, we won't. <laughs> well, that's that's great. Um, the So where can people uh, get your books from? Oh, come to Fanex. <laughs> it's probably a little after that. Um, they're all on Amazon on either print or ebook. Also, five of my eight books are out on audiobook, and I do my own audiobooks nice. because uh, I really like doing that. I found I had the equipment at home after I bought, after I bought it. Um, with a lot of trial and error, I got really good at it. That's I used awesome. to be an actor, too, so it helps. Nice. Wonderful. Uh, do you have a website or a podcast you want to uh, yeah. plug? So, jaredgarrett.com, spelled how it sounds. You can Google Jared Garrett, and I come up for the first two pages, I believe. Um, and my podcast... I've got Tales from a Cult Insider, and I'm going to be launching a new podcast in about a month, finally, after getting enough episodes built up. Um, but also, go to Amazon Prime. Um, go to a, a game show called The Hustler. Go to Season 2, Episode 6. There's a balding dude who's semi-good-looking with a blue shirt on, and watch him utterly dominate that game show, and that is me. Awesome. The Hustler, Season 2, Episode 6. Yeah. All right. Got it. All right. Well, Jared, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. It's been it's awesome good to see you. With you. All right, folks. So uh, check out Jared's stuff. Uh, great books, great novels to enjoy uh, when you're, you know, at, we're going into the colder months. You know, it's better to sit inside and read a good book. Yep. So there's plenty of good books to read, and we'll catch you next time. Ah! A giant man! Of the whole universe! Ah! It is that and much more. Each point of light is a gateway to another world. So, point us to our gateway and get us out of here already. All right, Dungeon Crawlers, welcome to another mini crawl where we have Alton and myself talking to... Kirsten Michelle. And AJ Serna. All right, these guys are amazing authors here at FanX that we ran into, and we want to... Yeah, what are, give us a little explanation of your novels. All right, well, so we have just released a book called City of Mages. It is a South American, or it takes place in a South American-inspired fantasy world. Sort of Shadow and Bone meets Avatar The Last Airbender. Lots of uh, elemental magic, sort of political tension between those who have magic and those who don't have it. And I know, I think most of all, like I said, the, the big draw to us is the fact that 
it is in a South American inspired world, not really usually represented in high fantasy. So, yeah, and I like the fact that the two main characters, so it's dual perspective, and the two male characters are very different, but they're reluctant allies and have to work together. So it makes for for some really fun tension. Nice, exactly. Absolutely love it. So I've spent some time in South America, and I'm very curious, what was it that made you decide to go that route? Well, I mean, I'm not South American, but I am Latino. Okay. Um, so I like to see, I was kind of initially looking for, like, I want something maybe best based in Mexico or based in sort of a Mexican type of place. I wasn't quite sure which country to go to or if we want to do a mishmash. We did visit Peru a few years ago, mm. and we're like, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do something maybe based sort of on, you know, the Incan, you know, uh, era and all that. And we kind of ran with it, and that became City of Mages. And that includes the pronunciation. So we call it City of Mages because that's actually a word, but in world it's pronounced Majes. So we have a narrator, they pronounce things like Majes, Magia, and other words that sort of have those, a sort of Spanish influence. Nice. Absolutely love it. So what was the most difficult part of writing in that world for you? Ooh, writing with him. <laughs> writing with him, ooh. Being co-writers and also married has its own tensions. But um, writing in the world, I think part of it was just being, like, immersing yourself in that world when, you know, we're sitting in, like, Colorado and Indiana and other random places and mm -hmm. trying to kind of get back to that place. And it's a world that doesn't really exist. And so coming up with new animals and new just everything, it's fun, but it's, and it's a challenge to kind of create something from scratch like that. Very cool. So, since you are co-writing, you are married, does that cause some stress? I mean, because obviously, someone, is one of you the main writer and the other one's the idea person? Or are, do you like write one chapter and the other person writes the next chapter? How, how does this work? So we definitely don't do the chapter, chapter thing. Okay. Um, what we do is we do, we kind of come up with the concept and, and we come up with the world together. Okay. We come up with the basic story together. And then from there, I take it and kind of run with the outline, okay. and the outlines are pretty extensive. So this book overall is about 111,000 words, about okay. 400 plus pages or so. Yeah. Um, the outline was about 70 to 65 to 70 pages or so, mm. so fairly extensive. Yeah. And then I hand it off to her. She does a full draft of it. with it. She runs with it. I come back. I do uh, edits of her book. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just pass off the different stages. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Okay. Like so that. the important question that has to be asked because we've got a lot of people listening on the internet right now. Where should they be going to pick up City of Mages? So you can go to magiabooks.com, and that's M-A-G-I-A books.com. So magiabooks.com. It's available in ebook. It's available in audiobook. It's available in hardcover and paperback. And if they lose track of the website, because it is a little complicated, it is also on Amazon um, in the ebook form, hardcover and paperback. Nice. Absolutely love it. Is there anything else that you want people who have never read one of your books to know before we let you go? Um, I mean, I also co-wrote co a series with Derek Allen Sidaway. Oh, that was Gin Tamer, right? Gin Tamer, yeah. It's a monster battling series, Pokemon-inspired, uh, lit RPG, uh, definitely has an anime feel to it. If you like My Hero Academia, it has a lot of rivalries and stuff that, I, that really kind of comes out in book two. I think it's a lot of fun. Nice. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this macro crawl today. We hope that you have a fantastic con. And for those of you who are listening out in the wild, make sure to go and check out City of Mages and Gin Tamer. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it! Nothing!
Something that ugly and smelly could be on our side. What are you waiting for? Shoot! It saved our lives, Eric. Maybe it doesn't mean us any harm. Yeah, I bet you believe in the Tooth Fairy, too. Shoot! It's feeding off the arrow's energy. It's getting bigger. This is terrible. It's already recording. Perfect. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Uh, I'm Caleb Berger. I'm with Crossroads Engine. I'm oh. one of their game designers. We messed up. What? We didn't do an intro. No, this is just a segment. Oh. Not an episode. It's just a segment. We're doing it interview. wrong? I did it wrong. Well, there's 45 seconds of his interview already wasted. Oh, man. Oh, man. Here we go. Start over. <laughs> this is for Patreon. <laughs> this is for, yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. So. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Start again. <laughs> My name's Caleb Berger. I'm a game designer at Crossroads Engine. Awesome. And how long have you been working with the Crossroads Engine? So we've only been like a company for about a year. We've been a little over a year. We actually started just before FanX last year. What kind of game is it? So Crossroads Engine is more of like an immersive theater experience. Have you ever been to like Evermore or yes, uh, Meow Wolf, something like that? Times. So what we do is we take that experience and we bring it to your work event, your party, anything like that, anything you want to do. So... That's the kind of game it is. We can do murder mystery. We can do quests. Anything. Your imagination is what our limit is. Fantastic. And so it's a tabletop game. Um, actually, no. it's a, it's oh. an interactive. It's a live action. Oh. You interact with actors. So it's more like a LARP type. It's scenario. more like a LARP type scenario, but you don't have to dress up unless you want to. Does nice. it include like a DM or someone who's running the story? Um, kind of. So it's more like. Um, there is a DM, as in the rules are already put there for you to know what to do. It's more so like a treasure a hunt. Yeah, okay. a framework of uh, we kind of guide you through um, what you need to do, who you need to talk to. And as you interact with different characters, they'll send you to different places. And depending on the questions you ask, um, how interested you're in, whatever, that's kind of where Who goes. comes so, up with the, the campaign or the story idea? Um, so we actually have a team of writers. And so they're the ones that come up with what's going on. Um, we have a few mechanics that we use. Um, chance. He's one of our. He is our, our boss, and he he kind of has the mechanics in place as well. So nice. And so, so go ahead. I was gonna say. So at an event like this, because you're doing one here at FNX. Well, we did last year. Okay, we last were hoping year. to do one this year, but okay, things then. fell through. So with last year when you did it, how does that work in a con? Because something like Evermore, everything is around you, so it's easy to immerse into that story. How do you do that here at, at FanX? So it was really interesting. We were worried if it was going to work or not, and it actually worked really, really well. So what we did was we made it where you could come to our booth, you could get the download of what, what's happening, all that stuff, and then we gave you clues and things you could do while you're conning. So you're going to a booth, you see a little signature of you know the Crossroads Engine logo, mm -hmm. you know that that's a clue for something, and you're able to mark it off on whatever. Or we asked you, you know, go find certain cosplayers go find certain costumes things mm -hmm. like that and they would take pictures and come back and show us and that helped you rise through the ranks and, and then we also had mini games in our room so you could nice. do mini games and earn points and then earn prizes and did you have to coordinate with the owners of those booths to say like hey can we put this yes. emblem here be a part of our show yeah they yeah. were actually very generous we just went through the day before and we're like hey anybody who wants to put into this this is what we've got going on and it was really cool we nice. got one of those really cool kyber sabers or whatever oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it was really awesome that was like the top prize it was really cool $600 saber wow how, how does one win a prize in this quest so the one just the scoreboard that we had going on. So that was just for FanX specifically. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you don't have to do it this way right. if you choose to hire us. But um, we had solving the puzzles on social media as well as in the, the quest room first, um, mini games that you could grind points, 
uh, interacting with the actors and the different characters and things like that and solving the mystery. So. Is this a system that someone could pick up, say, uh, this show goes overseas, this show goes all over the nation, is this something that people can do on their own or is this something they have to do like through your company? Um, so this would be more like through our company, that like, this is what we do. And so this is so, like a proprietary yeah, engine? Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's, okay. it's been around for about a year, you said. What is the coolest event or quest that you have come up with? So I would have to say, the coolest, I would have to say the Fan X, what we had going on there. Um, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of our own IP. It was, we had it set up for a, a two-player, you know, two teams, uh, Spark versus Aura. It was going to be really great. And so, and then we had a laser tag event that was really cool that we had set up. Um, we've got some cool things in the works with that as well, which I can't really talk about. But That's okay. Fun. I love when people say, we got cool things, can't talk about it. Actually, I really do. I think it's great. Because yeah. it means that there's future, right? And there's investment. Where can people go to find out about you? Um, so we do have an Instagram at Crossroads Engine. Um, we have TikTok at Crossroads Engine. I believe there's, I don't know if we have a Facebook page. We might have a Facebook page. Um, it's still very new, still very young, um, but we, we're very excited. Um, all of our crew has experience in the immersive theater. Um, they were all uh, creative team at Evermore a while ago. And so they are the ones that, that put together a lot of the story that happened at Evermore Park a couple of years ago. And so if you have any idea of what that was like, anyone who really dove in, you know what we're bringing to the table. That's amazing. It's fantastic. That's awesome. So. That's amazing. Well, go, go, mm. well, go check out Crossroads Engine on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you very much for being <laughs> Thank here. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thank you. Alright everyone, welcome to another FanX mini crawl with author Katie Cherry. Alright, so out of the entire universe of this con, Matai brought us this wonderful, dazzling individual with a dragon on not only on her shoulder, but she is in full dragon scale, which means we're going to have an amazing interview. If there are dragons, Daniel's on board. Yes. I'm this always awesome. on board for dragons and Cthulhu. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some uh, media up on the website or with this podcast because you have got to see this costume. Dazzling is absolutely the right term here. It is. It's this sparkling is and fantastic. And also with us, we have the other other Krebs. Hello. Krebs. Yes. As always, can't get rid of me. Uh, Katie Cherry, so is this your first time uh, attending Fanex as a published author? Uh, yes, this is my first time like as a vendor selling my books. Nice. How, how did it go? It went really well. I sold out of my uh, first book of my main series, so I, I underestimated how much people would love it. And, and what is your main series? It's called the Crystal Dragon series. There are seven books. It's completely finished. Uh, did you do you want to know like about what? Yes. What yes. Give about? us a teaser. All right. Well, uh, generally I compare it to Aragon, Fablehaven. Um, what's the other one? <laughs> Percy Jackson. No. That's the other series. No. Okay. The other series is like Percy Jackson. Let's see. Aragon, Fablehaven, Harry uh, Potter. Of course, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. How did Potter. you forget Harry Potter? I know. I know. What it's a okay. shame. Shadows above it's the plane. It's just been a long day. Um, <laughs> so I compare it to those three. It's good for all ages. I've had readers as young as eight. Generally, the main character, Crystal, she gets taken from our world. No magic. It's fantasy, right? Yeah. She gets taken to a world where it's not fantasy. 
is very real. She finds out that she is actually half dragon and okay. can turn into a dragon. Who's Roda? Nice. And she um, is then labeled as the person of prophecy to save seven realms from this coming darkness and destruction, which, of course, you want to put on the shoulders of a teenager. Of course. Only always. She In has, every YA book. <laughs> yes, yes. She has help from um, her friend Nathan, who's also a teenager. So, of course, two teenagers can go through the realms, save them from this coming darkness and destruction. But they have, you know, magical dragon powers. So No, I like this story because it's very Forgotten Kingdom-esque. But mm. that was more of an Asian background where they get sucked into, yeah. uh, you know, there's Jackie Chan and Jet Li and stuff like that. But this has dragons, and she's half dragon, and we don't have the Monkey King, but we have something else. I like those type of stories because it's taking people from the our normal world and bringing them into the fantastical world, and then you start spinning that story and you know pulling those strings and drawing your reader further and further in. Uh, spoiler free, mind you, but since she's half dragon and half human in a world where all of this becomes extremely real, uh, does she end up struggling between her halves, as it were? Um, not within herself, but more like her role of what she's supposed to be. Because she grew up, you know, normal person. Mm -hmm. Nothing's expected of her to suddenly... She's also this the princess of this um, realm that she gets taken to. She's So she has all these expectations. She's like, I don't know how to be a dragon. I barely know how to be a person. <laughs> 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 Let alone, like, saving people that are older than me, know what's going on, know about magic. I don't know anything. Man, I keep coming up with more references. I mean, that's very Princess diary type <laughs> stuff. Like, it, yeah. I, I don't know how to be a princess. I, how to be a princess. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Except for now, I, I, does, she ha I, does she breathe out fire? I mean, if she's half dragon, I mean. She does learn how to utilize um, certain aspects without going full dragon. She does learn how to do I, that. I love that. Without going full dragon. That's, that's amazing. Do that kind of sounds interesting. <laughs> I'd like to see how that, yeah. how that manifests. I need a t-shirt for that. Uh, today is just not a day to go full dragon. Never oh, go full dragon. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Um, 60% of the time works all the time. Yes. Uh, so that is your your main series. Yes. And how many books are in this series? Seven. There are seven. When was the when was the most recent one published? The last book was published um, December 2020, if I remember right. And wow. if it was if it's been two years, is the series done? Is it consummate? Yes, it's finished. Okay. Oh, awesome. But that means if this is your main series, that's not your only series. It is not my only series. So I actually have five other books across two other series. Now, the nice thing about this, folks, is now you can jump on board and get the entire series. You can read all seven books. They're all out there. Yes, you don't have to read it one episode at a time. Yeah. You just binge it. Yes. And for those of us who have been in love with Brandon Sanderson, Robert Jordan, uh, Raymond Feist, R. A. George Salvatore, a. I mean, every Salvatore, author out there. George Martin. Uh, uh, yes, no, no, no. We'll, we'll skip George Martin because okay. that's just never coming out. <laughs> At this rate. So isn't it wonderful to have a series that is complete? You get the whole story. Yes. This will be wonderful. Well, t tell us quickly about the other, other series. Okay. Um, I have a trilogy of just novellas, just quick little stories about basically being a dragon in our world. But it's a secret because, you know, there's no dragons here. They're fantasy. But there are. They just appear as humans. Because the government, if they found out that dragons were real, would hunt them down. So, got to be secret. The government conspiracist in me loves this. <laughs> and is, is the secrecy of being a dragon, is that the primary conflict in this trilogy? Or is that simply sort of like an additional mechanic around the main problem? It's kind of like the main problem that goes throughout um, all of the books, yeah. 
Man, I love this. Excellent. It, and then it sounds <laughs> a lot like my own. And then, and then your third series, you have two books in the next series. Yes, it's just two books, just the main one and the sequel. Um, it's more of like, like Percy Jackson with Greek mythology, and she has magic. Zeus banned magic, and so she has the gods on her tail. Does she have a tail because she's a dragon? No, oh, not really checking. any dragons in that one. I just had to check. Does Zeus do any flickers? <laughs> no flicking and no flicking too hard. Yes. Okay. No <laughs> so uh, you mentioned this is your first time at Fanex, but you've got a substantial number of books you've already published. So what did it take to get you to that point where you felt uh, like this would be a good thing to, to come to you, to put your, put your books, put your creativity out there for sale and, and, and for demonstration to people? What was that turning point for you? Well, I originally, I started writing in high school. Um, immediately after high school, I was like, my friends want my books, and it's kind of hard to, like, print it out myself. So I, like, um, just kind of did it through Amazon just so I could have printed copies to yeah. give to my friends. And then after a few years, I was like, I should, like, make sure to do this for, like, my job, because this is great. I like this. Nice. <laughs> so wonderful. what got you started into writing? What was, was there a class you went to, some sort of motivation other than friends reading it that, kind of catapulted you into doing this? Um, to start writing, uh, yes. Yeah. So it was in actually middle school that I started write, trying okay. to write because I ran out of books that I wanted to read nice. in the school library, in the city library. I was like, I'm out of books. And then there was a Young Writers and Artists Fest, which I ignored for a couple of weeks. I was like, I'm no artist. And then one day I was just looking at the poster, daydreaming in class, and I was just suddenly clicked. I was like, wait, writing is like the other side of reading. Mm -hmm. I'm great at reading. Let's just try creating my own stories to read. So Nice. I like that. So I've here at the con. I've actually heard from a number of people that love writing and uh, have got stuff. They, they even have some things on the page. What is it? Tell us about your journey. How you went. A lot of people are lacking the courage or confidence. What are the emotions a person goes through to get from that point to where you are today? Several, not only a published book, but several published books, and you're offering them for for sale. That's that's quite a journey. Tell us about that. Um, well, it, thankfully, I had a lot of support um, from other people, and so I kind of just had to get to the point where I was just like, I don't know if they're good enough, but other people do, so I'm just going to shut off my own dang brain and listen to other people who enjoyed it, and then I just leave it up to the people that I'm selling to to decide if they want it, and if they want it, great. If they don't, I don't know. I There's other books out there, and I don't blame them for just keep keep shopping, but... I, I love it when people take a chance on me. That's and awesome. It, and apparently these are good enough that you've sold out of yeah, your so main book. Yep. A wonderful. Yes, it sounds like she has a better ele uh, elevator pitch than most people out there. <laughs> I mean, that, that's really a key part of selling, especially at a crowd here. you gotta, you got to snap yes. out that elevator pitch for them to get interested enough to buy. So clearly you're doing that and succeeding. But it could also be the shiny... Uh, costume you're wearing it they're just mesmerized and I like, guess yes, their initial interest yeah yes, it's like fly I will fishing buy in the nerd yeah. pool right? yeah it <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, I mean it almost one. like is a lord that you're yeah. throwing in there yeah Man. I'm sure it worked 100% of the time it yes. really is we're going to put a picture up on the website because this is incredible um, so when when you were writing your series your your main series and you have seven books obviously you know there's a maturation process that occurs right like the book that you wrote uh, first and the book that you wrote seventh, it's your voice, but your voice probably changed over time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, was there, looking back on it, 
Was there a particular character or a particular moment that you wish you could go back and reframe because it doesn't quite fit the, it doesn't do justice to the image in your mind? I feel like I described what was going on in my mind, but I didn't do it as well as I like wish I could have with the skills that I've earned over the last like decade. So I do wish I could go back and rewrite book one, and actually as an indie publisher, I can and will be. <laughs> so it'll have better writing. I did touch it up since I wrote it as a teenager, so it doesn't sound quite like a 14-year-old wrote it, um, <laughs> but it doesn't also sound like what I've written most recently, which I would love it to do. So Nice. When you release like rewritten work like that, do you do it as editions? So it's like second edition, third edition? Yeah. Yeah. So this will be a second edition coming up when I rewrite it. I really wish more like published authors would do that. Like they would just acknowledge that they're a different author now than they were then. And I, re I recognize the whole artist philosophy of, well, that was me capturing my imagination at that time. And I'm a different person now than I was then. And so like that made that, that makes sense to keep it the way it was. But there's also something to be said for, but I made a lot of grammatical errors, or I could have described this better, or you know, or I could have taken this moment to connect these characters in a more meaningful way. So, so for me, I will do cleanup when I really go to release a new edition, but I don't go back and fix those type of things. See, I can get behind that, though. And, see, and the reason for that is that's done. I want to move on to the next thing. I want to move to that's the true. next story. And if I go back to there and start that picky process, I can get stuck in that spinning wheel forever. I think, like, there was, I think there was like a, a famous published author wait, who like so gave actually, that advice, So uh, actually, right? Orson Scott Card yeah. uh, talked about that. He's like, yeah, I did that years ago. If I go back to that, you know, in five more years, I'm going to want to do that again and again, and then I won't be creating new stuff. That's true. Yeah. So speaking of that, Katie, you're, you're still at the beginning of this amazing journey. Yes. What does the future look like for Katie Cherry? How far in the future are we talking? Let's just say <laughs> the next year. As far as you want to go. Next year? Um, I'm actually working on rewriting that first book and then just kind of touching up from there. Just mm -hmm. my debut needs the most work. And then after that, my next series that I'm planning to write is going to be an eight-book series, again, focused on dragons. Um, a very good epic fantasy on that one. Nice. What's the average length of your books? Um, my main series, they're all like 80,000 to 100,000 words. Yeah, that's um, a good so size. So that's about 300 pages. Yeah, no, that's a decent size to a book. They're, they're very digestible, and as Katie mentioned, they're, they're pretty good for all ages. Nice. Uh, and it's just, it's the writing, it's the story. Uh, there's been a discussion lately in the industry about YA and why are so many adults reading so much mm -hmm. YA. And it's because there isn't really an upper limit on these things for stories that are written well. Yeah. For example, Katie Cherry series. So, so Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Where can people go to find your books? Uh, do you have a website or social media? Yeah, so my website is authorkatiecherry.com. And I'm all over social media, usually Katie Cherry, Author Katie Cherry, or Katie Cherry Fantasy. And once again, the series is Crystal Dragon? Yes. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys, with that said, we're out of here. We can never thank you enough. Oh, yes, you can. <sighs> Just show us the way home. Yes, the time is right. The four suns are about to converge. So that's why it's called the Heart of the Dragon.
All right, everyone, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers, where we are at FanX. We're live, but the great thing is we're here with author David J. West. He's been on the show before, great uh, uh, friend of the show, great fan. He, uh, he writes really cool stuff. Uh, mainly, I mean, the, the, the latest thing is Old God's New Tricks, which is a continuation of your Porter Rockwell stuff. Yeah, it's my uh, Cowboys and Cthulhu series. Yes, which is or awesome. Throw and Porter up against uh, all the likes of the old ones, Lovecraftian gods, what have you. Yeah, I mean, and one of my favorite board games is uh, Shadows of Brimstone, which is very this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cowboys versus demons. There's even the ancient one, which it looks like Cthulhu. They can't call it Cthulhu, but it is. Right. Um, so, you know, we've got some uh, listeners from outside Utah. If you're inside Utah, you've heard Porter Rockwell. But for those of you that are outside, Porter Rockwell is an actual uh, person, kind of a Western figure around whom a lot of legends grew up. And most of them are actually true. Uh, he was called uh, Samson. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was compared to Sam. What was, it? What was his nickname? Destroying Angel. Yeah, the Destroying, Destroying Angel. Angel, yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely a lot of fodder there for great stories and even more legends around. Well, I mean, him. he was told if he never shaved his beard and hair. Never cut his hair, yeah. no bullet or blade could harm him. Yeah. And he did die of old age yeah. without any scars. No bullet wounds, no knife wounds. And yet he was in the thick of everything you can shake a stick at. Yeah, yeah. not for lack of trying, right? Yeah, it's like if you... Probably all the deaths attributed to him aren't true, mm -hmm. but it's like well over a hundred. Yeah, and even if half of that's not true, that's still more than about anybody else you could shake a yeah. stick at in the old west. Well, I mean, some of the the stories about him is amazing. Like uh, when he was on trial for, I guess, killing a governor or something like that. Yeah, and he's like, I didn't do it, and they're like, Well, how can you say that? Because if I was going to do it, he'd be dead. Yeah. Or, or no, yeah, attempt, sure. assassination was, attempt. That's that right. was Lilburn Boggs yeah, of Missouri. He, yep. Yeah, an yep. assassination attempt. Yeah. yeah. He was that accused was right. of it on circumstantial evidence. He's like, no, it wasn't me. Yeah, because I would have killed him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't sure. have missed. Um, I, I, and you do a great job at, you know, even though you know, we don't know those accounts and we haven't heard him say those, it's just kind of written. Uh -huh. But, man, you really... Uh, pull the essence of this character out, and I, I love reading about yeah, it. Yeah, these are fictitious stories, but I try to stay as true to the character, because I've read all the biographies, yeah. and just try to pick up stories here and there, and stay as true to how I think he really was, mm -hmm. while throwing him up against Yogg-Sothoth, yeah. while throwing in some Mego, Skinwalkers, the Bear Lake Monster, all kinds of local Indian legends, along with your banditos and yeah. horse thieves and what have you. No, that's awesome. You know, that, that's an interesting thing. Reading, auto, reading biographies tells you about the person. What process did you go through to find the voice of Porter Rockwell? If you're going like, to have him talk and do dialogue, where'd that come from? I, I looked at all the journals of people that had met him and things that people wrote about him, because Mark Twain wrote about him. Um, let's see, really great English traveler. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, who was quite the traveler and fighter himself I'm I am embarrassed that I'm spacing the no, guy's name okay. he was in Dave Butler's uh, City of the Saints book oh, he's the Eng Englishman who got his head stabbed by a spear and he lived through it and he kept writing he met Porter he wrote all about him and then there's been a few other American journalists who wrote about Porter said this or that about him and so just trying to piece everything together anything that anybody could say in journals because he didn't write himself yeah yeah and I'm like, okay, I think 
I really understand who he was, what he was doing. Because, you know, he was uh, one of Joe Smith's best friends. Yeah. And just revered throughout the territory. Well, and and at one time an outlaw, yeah. sometimes a lawman. Yeah. And, and, and bodyguard to Joe Smith at, at, yep. at some place. A little bit of everything. Um, and and the, the really cool thing about this character, um, especially the way you write him, is he's very relatable. Mm-hmm. And it's, very, it's got a very gritty Old West feel. You know, we don't see that much anymore. Westerns kind of died out unless you're reading yeah. Louis L'Amour still. Um, but really, it's kind of disappeared. And the nice thing about this is you got that Western feel, but at the same time, you got that Cthulhu feel. Yeah. You know, and it, and, or, or even that kind of spooky uh, monster feel, which is awesome. Yeah, I love to blend up that in a fun pulp way to make it appeal to people and have it quick pacing, a lot of action, and some good creepy atmosphere. And I got to give props to you, Daniel. Last year at Fan X here, yeah. you told me the story about Saratoga Hot oh, yeah, Springs yeah. and the Indian bodies. And I used that in a story oh, nice. that's oh, wow. coming out November 1st, headlining a collection of Weird West Tales called Fistful of Demons. Sweet. And so my story, Dead Eyes, Sweet. is in that. And I started off what you told me awesome. about Saratoga Springs. I'm glad I could help with that. And I, I even used your line. You're like, I used to bathe in there. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, that is the, cr- the crazy thing about that. Um, you know, Looking up the history, the hot springs out there, the Indians, when they'd be trekking for more fertile land because they were following the herds, if -hmm. someone died, they would tie them up and sink them to the bottom of the springs to preserve the bodies. Until they could bury them later when it's too cold. Mm Because they can't dig in the ground. Uh, And I found this out. I'm like, man, I I bathed in there. That's kind (laughs) of creepy. Um, But it's it's actually amazing that they would do something like that. Because it makes sense. Like, the ground here is hard to dig in during the winter. Frozen solid. And that would, pres- I mean, the minerals in that would preserve the body enough so that it come back. It's not rotting. The animals won't eat it. And they can come back and take care of it. So yep. that's awesome. I'm glad you could use that in a story. Yep, yep. So. I, I appreciated stories like that because yeah. it's like I hunt for things. And if I find something, like I found a story about a haunted well that supposedly he threw bodies down. Oh, nice. Down out in in Eagle Mountain. Okay. That's in this new one. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, besides this, you've also wrote, uh, added some material for David Weatherly's. He, he writes different books based on stories and legends for each for state. For each state. And he's up to like 15 books now. Yeah. So and 15 it, states. And I have a few of those, but he just released the Beehive State here in Utah. Yep. And yep. you got to be a part of that. Yep. He, I contributed a few stories that he, he's awesome at tracking down tales of cryptids and monsters, okay. Bigfoot. Yeah. But I, I told him, hey, did you hear about this one? And I gave him a handful of stories. And then I got to write the foreword on this, talking about my limited experience with Skinwalker Ranch. Nice. <laughs> so it was an honor to be a part so of that. So have you been to Skinwalker Ranch? Just outside of it. Just outside. Yeah, I, I watched that Netflix um, documentary, which it's like, okay, nothing really cool happened except for some minor no. things. But, I mean, I've heard some other people talk about stories and the weirdness that goes I, on there. I, I, my, I'll give a spoiler on my foreword. Okay. I first heard about it on Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero show okay. back in the late 90s yeah. when he was on K-Bear 101. Yeah. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. I'm going up there. Okay. And so me and a friend were going to get our guns. We were going to go up there and check it out. We were young, dumb, yeah. but thought, let's go check this out. Let's go see if we can see a Bigfoot coming through a portal. Let's nice. go see if we can Did see a skinwalker. Did you pack any silver bullets with those guns? I would have. <laughs> Before I went up, I actually bumped into Clyde Lewis, and he's like, 
do not go. Do not wow. go up there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And that's when he told me, hey, it just got sold to Bigelow. Oh, yeah. There's security everywhere. Do not go there. You will get arrested and thrown in jail. I'm like, okay, not going in. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Way for corporate America to ruin the fun. Yeah, and this, yeah. you know, this was... I would say it was kind of before most people had ever heard of the place, but because I had my ear to the ground for local legends. Yeah. Right. You know, this was back, I don't know, 96, 97. But that was my connection. <laughs> awesome. No, I mean, it, the thing about this, there's there's lots of really cool legends and, and stories. I mean, you already mentioned one with Porter, with the Bear Lake Monster. Uh, there's sightings of Sasquatch. There's all sorts of different creatures you know, it's possible. We don't know. I mean, we don't know everything out there. And it oh, is yeah. possible that there are a lot of things that still exist. Um, you know, there's the, the giant wolf that shows up at Skinwalker Ranch. For that sure. People can't explain, uh, yeah. let alone weird lights and stuff that appear in the sky. Um, it's interesting. It really yeah. is. But we can't explain those things, and which kind of ties into your, your series where yep. there are things that are going on that we can't explain. Yeah, and I feel like Utah is just full of weird stories. Yeah. We get the culture. We have a lot of weird stories here, and we take in the Native American stuff. Oh, yeah. We've got so much to draw from. Yes. Utah is a peculiar state. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. So, folks, if you haven't already, go check out David J. West's books. Uh, there's several out there. Home on the Strange, uh, Scavengers, Crazy Horse, the new one, Old Gods, New Tricks. Uh, you know, check out David Weatherly's stuff as well. Um, each state has their own specific book. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be a good read. Oh, and also, I forgot, Let Sleeping Gods Lie. There's, there's several books yeah. out there that you can And then the one from. that you helped inspire, yeah. Fistful of Demons, will be out November 1st. Okay, Fistful where, of Demons. Where can people find your books? Amazon's probably the easiest, but I try to have general, a little bit everywhere. All right. So check out... Check out the books. Grab them on Amazon. Definitely pick one up. You're not going to regret it. So with that, hey. Thank you very much. We'll Thanks catch you next lot. time. Right. Remember, the force will be with you.